All right, guys, we are back together, and it is a joy to be together once again today. Uh, we are going to carry on with our study of characters, and tonight we have a New Testament fellow. And so we will be studying Apollos, and I encourage you or invite you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 18. We will be looking mainly at Acts chapter 18 and 19. Now, there are many things as we talk about Apollos that we will find out about him in regards to, in regards to Bible characters. He's probably one of the lesser well-known as we go back through some of the characters. There might be a few chapters that they make up. When we talked about Paul, I mean, he wrote a major, a major part of the New Testament. You look at you look at all the different Bible characters, Apollos is one that might not have quite as much written about him, but there's still a lot of good things that we can draw from him. And so tonight we will be looking at Acts chapter 18 as we consider Apollos. Now, Apollos in Acts chapter 18, as you go back to his origination... Apollos begins as a Jew. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24, it says a certain Jew named Apollos. We see a little background. Within being a Jew, no doubt, he had learned from the law, he had learned from the prophets, and he had an excitement into what God had in store for his people, understanding that the promise that was made to them, these, the, the Jewish people were God's own special people. But there was also the promise that extended to the whole world. And Apollos, no doubt, uh, would have been familiar with the promises that were in store for them. Now, Acts chapter 18, verse 24, it says, A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria. We've got a little more history. Now, as we come to this point in Scripture, what do we know about Apollos up to this point nothing and so they lay a little groundwork in regards to what's coming up in the next next few verses in Apollos and his uh, his teachings tied along with Paul and the work that uh, that was done by them as ministers now Alexandria was a city that was located, it was a few miles off the western edge. If you look at the, the mouth of the Nile River there in Egypt, uh, there on that, that western edge, there on that left side, if you're looking at the map, right up there close to, uh, or right next to, right next to the Mediterranean Sea, you have uh, Alexandria. Now, Alexandria was a special city because it, uh, it was known for its studies, uh, it was known for a large library. It was known for being a place of knowledge. Um, you have different places that are well-respected. You know, we talk about different, different colleges. Um, you might, might talk about um, a college and say, wow, that's a renowned college. I know this morning, I think, uh, I think Kaylee or somebody told Reagan that he should be going to Stanford or, or some other prestigious school. When you go back to Alexandria, you've got, a, you've got a prestigious area, or especially in their own minds. But uh, that will come into play as we, we go throughout the study. All right. Apollos. What do we know about him? Well, we see where he comes from. We see where he's born. 
We see his heritage. He's a Jew. It says, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. You know, I think it's very interesting as we look at Apollos. There's going to be a few things that uh, are different about him in regards to some others that are teachers in this time. Okay, as you talk about his eloquence, he had a, a great ability, he had, a, he had an ability to speak that would capture, that would, uh, that would draw you in. No doubt it was very believable. As you talk about the eloquent man, he was somebody... You know, they used to talk about salesmen and they say you can sell ice to an Eskimo. When you talk about this eloquent man, he was very fine in his speech, but he would also be very convincing. And so, not only do we see that he's eloquent, but you tie that eloquence. There's a lot of eloquent speakers in the world. There are a lot of people that say things that are very convincing, that uh, can draw you in. The Bible, in fact, warns many times about false teachers... But you might notice that he says in verse 24 that he was eloquent in, or he was mighty in the scriptures. He was well studied. He'd given his life being a Jew. No doubt they had studied a lot. Uh, they made it a part of their life. Now we're in Acts chapter 18. We're talking about Apollos, a great preacher. And I believe that we can draw from this as we go throughout this passage, although he was mentioned as mighty in Scripture, Apollos was not a man that was inspired. He didn't have the miraculous understanding, but rather he was operating off of a teaching in which he had learned for himself, that he had studied. We'll get into that a little bit as we carry down through. In fact, uh, as we talk about Apollos... Being there at Ephesus, right from the beginning, we recognize that he was an active teacher. He believed what he had learned, and so therefore, he wanted everybody else to share in the great benefits that he had. Sometimes I wonder if, uh, if we have a deep enough conviction, are we going to have the same desire as Apollos, where we're very desirous of sharing that message? Within this individual, I believe that it's, uh, it's going to be obvious as we go throughout that he didn't have this miraculous understanding, but I'll tell you what he did have. He had a desire to share what he knew. All right. As we see, we get a little origination. We see, see kind of where he starts out, and so now it's time. Let's go ahead and get into his teachings. Apollos begins his teaching. Drop down into Acts chapter 18 and verse 25. It says he's been a, a great teacher. It said he was eloquent. It said he was mighty in scriptures. If you're going to teach, you would like to think it would come from scriptures. Notice what happens in verse 25. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. It says, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Now, we're already in Acts chapter 18. You can go all the way back to Acts chapter 2 when we see the beginnings of the church. Prior to that, go back to Matthew chapter 3 uh, and we can see John teaching. 
Now John came for a purpose. To prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming. Let the world know. Get ready. It's going to be time to follow Jesus. And so John comes with this message. And Apollos had learned it, no doubt, from one of either... Could be from John the Baptist or John the Baptizer himself. Could be from one of his disciples, but no doubt he, he heard it. He was convicted in it. And he continued to teach the baptism of John. That's what he had known. Now, he was very zealous in his teachings. It says he was fervent in spirit. He was desirous. He was excited. He was, he was giving it his all so to speak. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew what God wanted them to do. You know, we mentioned this morning being zealous. In Romans chapter 10, we see that there was such a thing as zealous, but, well, let's just read it. Brethren, my heart's, sorry, Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, brethren, my heart's and desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. He says, listen, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but there's a problem, he says, but not according to knowledge. Go down into verse 3, it says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Did they have a zeal? Absolutely. The, the trip up, the mess up, the mistake in there is their zeal wasn't according to knowledge. I think you could go back to... Acts chapter 18, as you look at, as you look at Apollos, he has a zeal. In fact, I'll go as far as to say it was a, a zeal according to knowledge. But the problem was his knowledge was expired. Okay? I don't know about you. But I'm not that worried, generally speaking, about expired food. It's a date. If it said it's good yesterday and it's not good today, there's still a good chance it's going to taste all right. Now, there's one food that I don't take a chance on, and that's milk. If milk says it's going bad yesterday or it says it's going bad tomorrow, I just trust that it went bad the day before. Had it one too many times when I was a young boy. All right. That brings us to Apollos. Apollos had learned. Okay, in um, Acts chapter 18 and verse 25, it says he spoke and taught accurately. Now, within the Greek term, there are some that have defined it as diligently. Now, I think he's teaching correctly what he knows. But the problem is the milk is expired. Okay? Jesus had already come back. The purpose of John's baptism had an extreme purpose. It was forward-looking. Repent, listen, for the kingdom of heaven is, here it is, at hand. He didn't say it's in hand, it's not here. He said it's at hand, it's, it's almost to where you can reach out and grab it. All right? So in verse 25, he says he was fervent in spirit. He was zealous about what he was teaching. He spoke and he taught accurately or diligently what he knew. His teachings were the things of the Lord because he's saying, look, Jesus, we've got to be looking towards the Messiah. This is who we're supposed to follow. 
And it says, yet he only knew the baptism of John. His teachings had come through an understanding of John's baptism. It's what he'd been taught. And so therefore, it's what he continued to teach. Now, if you want to understand better, I guess, what John had to teach, we should go back and look at John himself in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2, John teaches the kingdom is close. I mentioned he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John was teaching the coming of the kingdom. Drop down into verse 3 and he teaches the Christ as the Messiah. John the Baptist says, for this is he who is spoken of, the, of by the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes Isaiah to him and he says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Okay, talking about John, sorry. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths, his paths straight. So we have the, we have the, we have the prophet Isaiah making reference to John preparing of the way for the coming of the Christ. Now, John baptized all that believed in his day. He came with a baptism of repentance. Drop down in verse 6. But we can catch verse 5. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around Jordan went to him. There's something special about John. They recognized it. In fact, Jesus is later going to use this and he says, well, what do you say about John? All right. Verse 6 they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. They said, we've messed up. We want to repent. This baptism of repentance. And they were baptized, looking forward to the coming of the Christ. All right. I'd say that John taught accurately about Christ. I don't think accurately... Accurately is necessarily a bad translation. I think what he taught was true. When, sorry, what, uh, what, pa, pa, what Apollos taught was true, but the problem is it wasn't in completeness. As I mentioned the milk, it was in his inexpired form. As you go back, he had looked forward to the Christ, and they're going to be corrected in just a second. You can go back to Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 4, Paul said, here's the problem. When John was baptizing, it says, Then Paul says, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is, on Christ Jesus. Now, was it wrong when Paul was teaching this? It wasn't. Was it wrong when Apollos was teaching this? Not in his mind, but only because... He didn't understand what had taken place or he didn't understand the change that had taken place. As you go forward to 1 Corinthians, in chapter 15, he talks about preaching of the gospel, which I would say is absolutely what Apollos' desire or purpose was. When you look at the, uh, the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Brethren, I declare to you the gospel. In verse 1, which I preached to you, which you also received in which you stand, by which also you are saved. But if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Notice, now he tells them, he said, well, this is the gospel that I taught you. He said, for I delivered, I taught you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Okay, this wasn't what Apollos had been teaching. He was saying, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is coming. 
By the time we get to Acts chapter 18, what's the reality? The kingdom of heaven was present. The kingdom of heaven was there. Go on in verse 4. And that he was buried. Jesus Christ was buried in the tomb, according to the scriptures. And that he was risen on the third day, according to the scriptures. As you go through, go through the account, although John taught what had once been true, it was purpose-filled. The problem is he didn't understand that the message expired. It was passed because now it would no longer be relevant. Having the Christ that has already died, what do we have to do? We have to be a follower of the Christ. We, we obey that gospel plan, how that Jesus died, how that he was buried, how that he was resurrected. We follow that. Now, we get into Acts chapter 18 and it's time for some correction. Acts chapter 18. We've got a zealous teacher We've got an eloquent teacher, and the problem is what he was saying was out of date. All right, it no longer would be applicable. It wasn't going to convert. It didn't bring people to Christ because it was expired. Acts chapter 18, verse 26, it says, So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and, listen, explained to the, him the way of God more accurately all right now as you go back in verse 25 it said he spoke and he taught accurately all right within the accurately there's a more accurately which would be more correct what was the problem his understanding wasn't full because he didn't have a complete understanding you might say he misrepresented the teaching all right you get down into verse 26. Aquila and Priscilla take Apollos to the side because they want him to understand more perfectly, more correctly. Now, is Apollos going to throw up his hands and, and be upset about it? Notice in verse 27. When he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. When he had arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace. Notice it says in verse 28, For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. He goes on and he teaches the truth of Christ. He learned more accurately. We need to always be open to learning more accurately the truth. Having a desire to continue to grow. As you go through that time, Apollos goes out, he teaches, pre preaches that Christ is the Son of God. Christ the Messiah had come and so therefore we'll see that uh, they needed to be obedient to it. Now we'll go on just a little bit. You get down into Acts chapter 19 and we'll see that uh, Paul continues or jumps into the scene. And these people hadn't yet understood so let's see what happens in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1 it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus who had been at Ephesus teaching back in Acts chapter 18 24 through 25 6 7 Apollos while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus now he's there he finds some disciples and he says did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed and they said 
we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. All right, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they, they said, no, not so. Well, you go back and we see as they come about teaching this, I believe in Acts chapter 19, we're talking about miraculous abilities. Did you receive miraculous abilities? And no doubt what? They hadn't. You go back to Acts chapter 2. Well, instead of going to Acts chapter 2, go back to Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, before, before we get into Acts, before the resurrection, Jesus comes and he says in verse 49, he says, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He says, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, listen, until you are endued with power from on high. That brings us to Acts chapter 2. They're in the right place. They're at the right time. They're still there tarrying. You get down to verse 4 and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so all of a sudden the Spirit comes on the scene. We're going to have miraculous knowledge, which would have uh, been great help to Apollos. He would, have, he would have been able to correct his teaching prior to this. Uh, no doubt he had learned from either a disciple or John, and he hadn't been caught up to speed with where they are in history. All right. So you go back to Acts chapter 18. They said, well, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. We don't even, we don't, don't know what you're talking about. So you get into Acts chapter 19, and he says, well, do you know about the Holy Spirit? They said, no, we, we haven't so much as heard. And then, understanding that they hadn't received the miraculous abilities, they hadn't been taught about this Holy Spirit, they were still wondering then, what's this, what's this that's going on? And in verse 3, Paul says, well then, into what were you baptized? Like, what purpose did you have? You get into the New Testament, and today we have a baptism that is different than this John the Baptist teaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now you have that, that repent and baptism, that following of the New Testament set out by design through Christ, where we see Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 19, Paul goes on to explain in verse 4, he says, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying the people that they should believe on him who would come, listen, after him. What was his point? Jesus is coming, follow him. In Acts chapter 2, the message was Jesus had died, followed him. The whole lesson in Acts chapter 2 is this was Jesus, this was the Messiah, this is the one that was spoken of. They come to the point where they're told, oh no, we did kill the Christ. I recognize it, says they're pricked in their hearts. And then they're told, repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, why? For the remission of your sins. The promise was that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 19, they hear this message in verse 5, and it says, And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
They were baptized looking forward prior to this. They were baptized according to John's baptism looking forward to the coming of Christ. They chose to be baptized into Christ because he had come. Because he had already been sacrificed. He had already been resurrected. He had already given his life. And you might say you want to do Bible things, Bible ways. When when they understood that what they did wasn't the design following the death of Christ, they chose to be obedient to God's design. Now if you notice, down in verse 6, they had, they had already accomplished this baptism in verse 5. And in verse 6 it says, And when Paul laid hands on them, he said, The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. In regard to the miraculous gifts now, they have it. What purpose was that for them? Well, you go to the, the New Testament age, you go to uh, the early church... They didn't just open their, book, their Bible to the book of Acts. They didn't just open their Bible to Matthew or Mark or Luke or to the letter to, the first, to, to Corinth, first or the second one, either one. They didn't look at any of these books that we have in written form that we have the ability to study from. And so, miraculous gifts would have had a great part. It would have a great importance to them. And so along with that, in understanding that they had a purpose, that what they were saying was true, they are given the gifts in verse 6. It's mentioned that they were given tongues and prophesied. They had these gifts. Now this took place after they had chosen to be baptized. You can go back to Romans chapter 1 also. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 11, it says... Paul speaking here, talking to those in Rome. He said, for I long to see you, as he talks to the Christians at Rome. He said, I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. More of a a complete, you can be more fully able to continue as a Christian because you have the miraculous understanding, the miraculous abilities which confirm them as followers of Christ. Confirm them as teachers of Christ. And Apollos is going to be an individual that continues to teach. He's going to continue to teach the message of God. Now he wasn't there when we get to Acts chapter 19. He'd already, he had already moved on, uh, headed towards Corinth. Uh, you can look at Acts chapter 8... Real quick, I think we got a few minutes left. Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, if you begin in verse 14, we say, see Simon the sorcerer. Now Simon the sorcerer recognized for himself. How is it that these miraculous abilities are passed down? So you get down into verse 14. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, they heard the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as of yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord. They had heard about the Lord. They knew the gospel message. They were obedient to it. But the Holy Spirit gifts, the miraculous abilities were not there. When Simon... 
Sorry, in verse 16. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice in verse 17. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received in this, in this instance, they received miraculous gifts. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Now, you can look at the account in Acts... And we notice immediately in Acts chapter 19 that when Paul came after their baptism, their receiving of the Holy Spirit took place how? Laying on of apostles' hands. You look at Acts chapter 8. We see that Simon the sorcerer recognized it for himself. He said, well, looky there. They get miraculous gifts that are far better than this magician stuff where I just trick you. He said... When the apostles lay hands on him, now he's going to go on to offer money and we know that that's a, that's a bad deal and the wrong motive. But anyways, how was it transferred? Through the laying on of hands. The purpose of their baptism in Acts chapter 19 was different than what it had been when they were baptized according to the baptism of John. In verse 3, they said they were baptized into John's baptism. Were they baptized? Absolutely. Problem is, it was the wrong purpose. Paul said, at the end of verse 4, they should believe on him. Sorry, John had said that they should come and they would, that through this baptism of repentance, that they should believe on him who would come after. And then when they hear what was right through Paul, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, as the Bible talks about one baptism, that doesn't mean that they were baptized twice. It means that the first one was irrelevant. It was expired, as I mentioned. It was no longer, uh, it was no longer God's design um, as the Christ had already been offered. Christ had been given. And in regards to our life, we understand that Christ has died and we need to be obedient to the gospel message as was given for us as Christ was given for us. Finally, Paul and Apollos. So, there in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, it says... I'm wrong. In verse 18 and verse 27, he desired to cross to Achaia. Now, within this, uh, they're going in the area of Corinth, and we will see a couple times that it's mentioned... Paul and Apollos go and they work in Corinth. The problem is, uh, we'll see that it happens at uh, separate times sometimes. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So as we are here in Acts chapter 18, we've got Apollos in Ephesus. Apollos leaves, goes to Achaia, where would be the area of Corinth. We have Paul follows Apollos then in Ephesus, corrects the teaching. And now we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1... Uh, Apollos has been to Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Paulus, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Now we get to Paul and Apollos in Corinth. Remember, Apollos was a eloquent man. He was mighty in scriptures. He was very convincing. I have no doubt he was an incredible speaker. Paul, as he refers to himself, he said, I came not with uh, special speeches. You know, he didn't, he didn't come as something special, but just a servant. 
But either way, we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and there's some sort of a dispute amongst the Corinthians. They're like, man, I was converted by Apollos. Look at you, you were old lowly Paul. Or it could be the opposite. Man, I was converted by the Apostle Paul. You just had Apollos teaching you. I had Cephas teaching me. He said, it's not about that. What's the purpose within the gospel? Recognize the teacher doesn't change the goal. No matter who was there at your baptism, no matter who helped convert you, no matter who taught you along the way, it matters none if no one even knows their name. The reality is pointed out at the end of verse 13. Or I am of Christ. He says in verse 12, verse 14, excuse me, Sorry, verse 13, he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. They see, they get all wrapped up in the teacher. He said, it doesn't matter about the teacher. If I can point out one thing... And this would be Paul. If I can point out one thing, it doesn't matter if it was me, Apollos, Cephas. It really doesn't matter. He said, what matters is you were a follower of... This is the difference between Acts chapter 18 when they were first teaching and Acts chapter 19 when Paul brings them to a fuller understanding. They were preaching Christ. Is Christ divided? Absolutely not. And so therefore, why would we be divided? There is a purpose within teaching and the purpose is that souls would be saved. It comes up again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In fact, if you read 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3, he's really uh, he's dealing with this to a large part for the entire portion of all three chapters of don't get caught up in who's who. Don't get caught up in who taught you, but rather notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, drop down into verse 5. Who then is Paul? Who's Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. He said, I planted. Apollos watered, but I'll tell you what, it really doesn't matter who is there because God gave the increase. There's something that's far more important than your teacher. That's your creator. There's something far more important than... Who are the individuals that, that take part in it, but rather the glorification goes to Christ, the one who died for us. The purpose is that souls can be saved. Notice in verse 7 it says, So neither then he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. But notice one more time, God is the one who gives the increase. There's something super important. There's something that we... There's someone that we have to follow. And we boast about that name above any other. It doesn't matter who's taught you. doesn't matter who you've learned from, who you're baptized by, who you live next to. He says at the end of verse 7, it's God who gives the increase. He says at the end of verse 6, but God gives the increase ultimately don't get puffed up in one another. If you look at Paul and Apollos, they didn't get puffed up against each other. It wasn't like there was this, this division between them where they hated each other. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. 
He says, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written and that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. Is there, a, is there, a, is there an argument between them? No. Nope. Paul is glad that he had the opportunity to plant. Apollos is glad that he had the opportunity to water. And ultimately, all are thankful that God was able to give the increase. Now, you have one more instance where we see Apollos in Scripture. You can drop down to 1 Corinthians chapter... Well, that's not true. There's a couple more places. But anyways, one more we're going to look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 Paul desires that, uh, that Apollos make his way back. And it could be because, you know, Paul has come and Apollos has come and taught. And he's like, man, I want him to come back me up and point up the same things. It's not about Paul. It's not about Paulus. It could be that he feels like hearing from Paul and hearing from Apollos would help them understand that neither one is building themselves up, but rather both are building up Christ. And so therefore they should all take uh, great pride in that. But you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 12, notice he says, Now concerning our brother Apollos, the brother he loves, he says, Now concerning our brother Apollos, he says, I strongly urged him, you get the impression he begged him or said, Man, prodded him, man, you really need to go. He said, Urged him to come to you. But he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. There's something going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know why he couldn't go, but I know that Paul said, man, we really need you. I get the impression he wanted his help in, uh, in teaching the brethren in Corinth or reiterating their faith, uh, continuing to grow their faith. And he says, man, uh, Apollos, you've got to go and uh, back me up on this. But anyways, he says, hey, Apollos can't come right now. Now... What was the instance? We don't know, but I can tell you one thing. Paul and Apollos did great things for the church. They didn't get boastful in themselves. They didn't get excited that one was better than the other or that this, this group loved me and this group loved someone, someone else. But rather there was a thankfulness that God is the one that gives the increase. We're thankful that there's rejoicing in heaven over every soul that gives their life to the Lord. The question is tonight, will you be an Apollos? Will you be an Apollo? A waterer, a planter. We've all got the same task. We've all got the same purpose. There's a world out there that needs us. Now when you talk about Apollos and his mighty ability, that doesn't have to be you. But I'll tell you what does have to be you. A planter. And a waterer. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's very simple. But if you know others that haven't given their life to Christ, it's very simple for them too. We want them to obey, be obedient to God's gospel plan. Understanding that Jesus died and knowing that there's no hope outside of Christ, we need to be willing to make a change in our life, it's referred to as repentance. Now that repentance is not something that's a one and done. It is a lifestyle where we say, you know what? I'm living for Christ. From here on out, my life's not about me. I'm going to make a decision to repent, to change. And I want to spread the message. I want to confess to the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I'm going to live for Him. We want to be buried in the water, but we want to be more than just that. 
because we want to be living for him. As we look at Apollos, we see a great man that was eager to change and that was eager to go and preach the truth. We all need to be just like that. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's very simple. Come as we stand and sing.